reading this morning is found in Colossians chapter 4. If you turn there with me, we're reading from verses 4, from verses 7 of chapter 4, verse 7 through the end of the chapter. If you don't have a Bible of your own, raise your hand. Our ushers will bring a Bible that you can use throughout our service this morning. Colossians 4, 7 through 18. Let's all stand in respect to the reading of God's holy word. Colossians 4, 7 through 18, the word of God says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instruction. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis, Luke, my beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. May God give us understanding as we hear the preaching of God's word in this text this morning. Would you remain standing with me for a time of prayer? After prayer, a choir comes for a special music before the preaching of God's word. Father, we thank you for the privilege you've given us today to, to be here in this special place, this place where your people are gathered to worship you, to praise you, to encourage one another in their walk with you. We do pray for those um, not with us today. Pray for Matt Coat, who came earlier and had to leave and go home because he wasn't feeling well. So we just pray your, your blessing upon him for his health and for his strength. We pray for Brian and for Heidi, their family, as they travel uh, to minister in Random Lake at, at the uh, Risen Hope Church there. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, allow your word to go out through Brian, that you give him that clarity of thought so that uh, he can present your word and your Holy Spirit's power will be behind the preaching of your word there and that you would open hearts there to receive your truth. We do uh, thank you um, this morning. We pray for our grace partners. We think of of Pastor Daryl Schrock as he had traveled this week to, to go uh, to, uh, to uh, 
South America and to minister to those who are grieving a loss there. We just pray for him and his wife Shelly as they go that you would, you would strengthen them. You give them the words to say. We know comfort comes from you. And we pray, Lord, that you are the God of comfort, that you would speak through them and use them in their lives to minister to your servants there uh, who, who minister the gospel there in that, that place far away from us here. We do pray um, that you would bless the hearing of your word right here at Sweet Communion. We thank you for last night for our Milwaukee Rescue Mission Ministry. We thank you for those who heard the word there. We pray, Lord, that you continue to use your word that was spoken, um, that it might um, challenge and uh, remind people of your truth so that they might come and trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. We pray for us today as we hear your word that we will be encouraged that we would put our trust and keep trusting and holding on to the Lord Jesus Christ, worshiping him and glorifying him and living our lives to bring glory to him. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. At the end of our study in Colossians, after this, we will be going into the epistle of Philemon. And uh, that may not be a very popular one, but it, is, it logically follows after Colossians. You see, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon were three epistles that Paul wrote from prison around the same time. And in fact, you'll see some similarities in each of those um, and so we'll take Philemon right after this. And you'll see as we go through the uh, scripture today how much it connects there with Philemon. We're on chapter 4, verse 7. And what we see is Paul's team, his, his ministry team, and how he is thankful for them. And he... Uh, acknowledges their role as he closes this letter. He says, first of all, uh, he speaks of several individuals. One is Tychicus. Tychicus. Now, um, like me, th these names are going to be unfamiliar. They don't sound like the common names we use today. But that's all right. You, you get their name. I want you to grab something from each one of these individuals that he lists. Something that he writes about that should get our attention and... Uh, um, be an encouragement to us or a reminder to us of what living the gospel means. Tychicus in verse 7 and 8, along with Onesimus in verse 9, these two individuals um, were the deliverers. They, they were the carriers of Paul's letter. See, they didn't have uh, uh, UPS and they didn't have all of those kind of services like we have today and so Paul sent his letters by hand and so these two men carried the letters from uh, the, the prison in Rome where Paul was to the city of Colossae where these believers were and they carried three letters at the same time one was uh, Ephesians and if you looked on a map you'd see uh, Ephesus as a city uh, and you would see about 100 miles to the east would be the city of Colossae. And uh, Colossae, and so he sent a letter for 
uh, Ephesus and Colossae and also to a believer named Philemon, and we'll get more in detail about who he is. He lived in Colossae as well, so that's why he would have included that letter with him. So Tychicus was, was a deliverer along with Onesimus. And look what he says about Tychicus. Um, he says, beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant. Now Paul doesn't just throw around accolades just to be saying it. He genuinely meant this. You'll see uh, later on in some of his letters that he talks, he, he just tells it how it is. Some people weren't faithful. In fact, we'll see two individuals in this section that for a time weren't faithful. And Paul mentioned to mentioned them in scripture that they weren't faithful. But these individuals were faithful. Look what he says. Uh, and almost the same word is said about Onesimus. Look at verse 9. It says, Onesimus, with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. So Tychicus was called beloved. In other words, Paul loved him. Uh, Tychicus was a faithful minister. Minister just means a servant of the gospel. He was faithful in doing that, someone that could be counted on, someone Paul could depend on, and uh, that was Tychicus, and that was also Onesimus. And he also called Tychicus a fellow servant. He's a fellow servant in the Lord. Um, means that Paul worked alongside with him. This is important for us to remember, that Paul did not work in ministry alone. Neither should we. Paul partnered with individuals, and these were the individuals that he partnered with. He needed faithful people in the service that he, that he had he was to give to the Lord. He counted on, depended on faithful individual, individuals around him. And when they weren't there, he was disturbed. He was, he was, uh, 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 he needed those faithful people around him. He counted on them. He depended on them. You wonder why people ask you, where were you last Sunday? Because we count on you. We depend on you. We need you. This is a battle where we need encouragement. And so you encourage me and I encourage you. You encourage a person alongside the pew with you and they encourage you. It, it's the way God intended. Remember we were talking about the sanctification section of, of Colossians and saying how much that is a body thing, that it happens within a community of believers. And so Paul is, is just just uh, uh, displaying that, that he did not minister alone, but he was with several other individuals, both men and women, by the way, several individuals who God used as a source of encouragement in his life, and he points that out here. I want you to notice, we're going to be turning to a, a few other passages, so now I want you to turn, keep a marker in Colossians 4, and turn to Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, Verse 21. You don't have many pages to go before Colossians is four chapters of Philippians, and then there's Ephesians. Ephesians 6, 21. Let me just read it. This is his, his ending of the letter to the church at Ephesus. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. 
I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that you may be, and that he may encourage your hearts. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Remember Colossians 4, 7, Tychicus would tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know him, how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Verse 9, and with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Onesimus, he says, was one of you. I want to talk a little bit more about Onesimus. What he says here is that these two individuals were to take Paul's word and his letter to these places, to Ephesus, to uh, Colossae, and to this individual named Philemon, and they were to share how Paul was doing with them. So to inform them of, of Paul's care and, and what was going on, and they were to take back a message to Paul about how the believers were doing. That's how Paul got his information. He depended on them for this information. Now, for Onesimus, let's look at who this individual is. We mentioned he was sent along with Tychicus to, to uh, deliver the letter. He's also called faithful. He's called a beloved brother. He's, called, he's spoken of as one of you. In other words, he was from Colossae. That was his hometown. There's something unique about Onesimus, and he's our tie-in to the book of Philemon. Onesimus was the bond servant of Philemon. He is the person that Paul was writing about to Philemon and saying, hey, here's a brother I want you to receive back. I want you to take him back. Onesimus uh, uh, apparently had... had uh, through the coop. <laughs> he got out of town. He, he got tired of, of serving in Colossae. He wasn't a believer then. He, he was a bond servant of Philemon, and he ran away. He skipped out on his job. He was bound to be there, but he flew away. He ran away. And in his running away, God would so have it that he would come across uh, Paul, and he ran across Paul in Ephesus. And so here in Ephesus, he met Paul. Now, Paul ministered. We can look at some of the scripture there, see if I can get to those um, a little later. But before we get there, look at Philemon. Philemon is right before Hebrews. So turn forward in your Bible. You have 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, then Titus, and then Philemon, right? Some of our kids in here can tell us the books of the Bible and walk us through that, right? So Philemon, uh, it's only one chapter, so uh, we don't refer to chapter when we give. So we say Philemon uh, 24. I think that's where we want to go. No, let's start at Philemon 10. is writing a letter to Philemon. Philemon, by the way, happens to be a believer. He is one that was saved under Paul's ministry sometime at, uh, at uh, Ephesus. Paul preached for three years in Ephesus. And during that time, Philemon probably heard the word, 
got saved, went back to Colossae, and uh, was a, a part of the ministry there. In fact, you'll see he started a church there in Colossae. Um, so in Philemon, uh, look at verse 1. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, that's probably his wife, that's probably Philemon's wife, Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, that's probably Philemon's son, we'll talk about him later, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. So they, had a, they, they met together at a church in their house. So you keep in mind that in the early history of the church, when this letter was written, they didn't have church buildings like we have. They met in people's houses, met in their homes. That's where they fellowshiped. And so one of the homes in the city of Colossae was Philemon and his wife, uh, um, Aphia. They had a church in their home, and Paul was writing to them. Now skip to verse 10. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Paul is saying, hey, Philemon, I'm writing to you about a friend of mine who's somebody you know. His name is Onesimus. Onesimus was basically a runaway slave is what he was. He was a runaway slave. He had run away from Philemon. And in the process of running away, he heard the gospel and got saved. And Paul says, I got to do something about this. He can't stay in this strange relationship. Paul sent him back to his master with this letter of Philemon. So we'll get into that in the weeks to come. But he, he identifies him, and he identifies, Paul identifies himself as a father, spiritual father, one who brought, helped give the gospel uh, to Onesimus that he might trust in Christ. Now, you and I might hear that story and say, well, no, he was a slave? What's up with that? What's wrong with that? Well, the same thing that's wrong with it today is no different. They had issues in their culture. The Bible neither, it, it doesn't condone that at all. In fact, you'll see as, as Paul writes back to him, he challenges him that. But at the time when he was a slave, uh, 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 Philemon was not saved, and Onesimus wasn't saved, wasn't saved. Now they're saved, and we see a different interaction and relationship between the two. Also, okay, let's go back to Colossians. So we have a sense for who Tychicus is. I'm, there's going to be a test on this afterwards, so keep, take some notes and remember. So far we looked at two people, but actually we saw more than that. We saw Tychicus, um, who got saved under Paul's ministry, and now Paul was using him to send this letter back to the folks at Colossae. And we see Onesimus, who was sent along with him. Onesimus was a bondservant or slave. And uh, Paul was sending him back, but he was sending him, both of them together, with this letter. They carried letters to Ephesians, to, uh, to the people at Ephesus, and, he, and to the people here in Colossae, and to the individual in Philemon. So we see uh, Onesimus. Notice what he says about Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. So Onesimus was from the hometown 
of Colossae. And he had become a faithful and beloved brother. His life had changed. His living had changed. Here he was running away. Now he is embracing Christ and ready to live that out in whatever uh, 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 capacity that God has placed him in. All right, now let's go to verse 10. You with me? Colossians 4.10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. Who is this Aristarchus? Well, we, we're told a little bit about him. He's Paul, part of Paul's ministry team. Uh, if you look at Acts 19, verse 29, we'll see something about Aristarchus. Acts 19. Verse 29, it says this. Oops, I'm not in the right one. There it is. Acts 19, 29. The city was filled with the, with the confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, who were Paul's companions in travel. So this is talking about the riot that happened when Paul ministered, first ministered in Ephesus. And one of his companions was this Aristarchus. So he had gone with Paul through some of the thick and thin, you would say, right? And uh, so that kind of identifies him. In the next chapter, in Acts chapter 20, we see him again in verse 4. It says, uh, Sopater, the Berean, the son of uh, Pyrrhus, accompanied him. And of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, Secundus, and Gaius of Derby, Timothy of the Asians, and Tychicus, and Trophimus. All right, so Aristarchus is mentioned there again. He's part of Paul's ministry team. Again, in Acts 27, verse 2, we see him again. And embarking in a ship of Adramitium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. So Aristarchus is identified there. He's a Macedonian. He, Macedonia is a larger region, and Thessalonica is one of the cities there. So we see uh, who he is. All right, go back to Colossians 4, and we see the next person identified in verse 10. He says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you've had, you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Who is this Mark? Mark, he says, the cousin of Barnabas. Um, he's called John Mark, and in Acts chapter 12, verse 12, we see him presented there. In fact, if you've been paying attention in our Wednesday Bible study, you You've come across this name before. Acts 12, 12. Turn there with me. Remember Acts 12. Acts 12 is about Herod. He had killed James, the apostle. And now he turned his eye on Peter and he imprisoned Peter and he's about to put him to death. And then God miraculously intervenes and he takes Peter out of prison. I love that story. Peter's walking, and he's walking, to, he's walking through the prison, and as he's walking through, the gates just fall open all by themselves. 
The Holy Spirit just allows them to, to be open, and, and, and Peter just walks clearly out. Well, where does he go after he walks out of prison? He comes to this house where the saints meet regularly for prayer. In Acts 12, 12, it says this. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark. In other words, John Mark. John Mark is a believer. He has a mother named Mary, and it's, let me read on in that verse, who, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. You remember what happened. Peter knocks on the door, and uh, a, a young girl comes to the door, and she tells everybody it's Peter, and they don't believe her. He said, yeah, it really is Peter. No, it can't be Peter. We, Peter's in jail, about to be killed. And, and they finally do look and see that it is Peter, and they rejoice, of course, that, that it's Peter that, that has been delivered. He tells them the story how he's been delivered. But the place they were meeting at is the home of Mary, whose son's name is John Mark. So John Mark is gathered with the believers. He's a believer. His mother is a prominent believer. In fact, that she has a church meeting over her house. All right? Um, one of the things that I want us to get from this whole message is this tie-in to family. I, I, I get that. You, you kind of get that. When he says John Mark, Paul says this Mark is the cousin of Barnabas. Now, who's Barnabas? You remember Barnabas. Barnabas is the one. Remember let, let me get there. Just, just be patient with me, all right? We're going to get there. Do you remember this John Mark started out with Paul on his first missionary journey? Acts 13 now, verse 5. Acts 13, 5. You with me? All right. Telling the story, he says, When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. I wonder why they've snuck that in there. They had John to assist them. They're introducing a character there that's going to become important later on. This is this John, this John Mark, who's a, a young believer, and he's part, he becomes part of the missionary team to Paul. And, and the writer of Acts notes that right here. As they were coming to this place, this is where John, they had John who was there with them. Something's going to happen to John, and, and, and many of you know what that is. He assisted Paul on his first missionary journey, but later he defected. He went back home and wanted to have nothing to do with the ministry. He was a quitter. He was a quitter. Look at Acts chapter 13, of verse 13. Now Paul and his companions set sail to Paphos and came to Perga, in Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Now that's significant. He didn't feel like it no more. He got out of the ministry, got out of the work. I don't want to do it no more. You will notice later on Paul's reaction to that. It wasn't like, okay, well, you know, that's all right. Going back home, we're okay. He didn't have that kind of reaction at all. He was highly disturbed that John Mark was a quitter. And in fact, when he got ready to go on his next missionary journey, Barnabas said, hey, yeah, let's take, um, 
Let's take John Mark again. Paul said, uh-uh, ain't no way. Dude ain't coming with us. He's a quitter. I don't want him on my team. Now, Paul wasn't just vindictive. Paul was like this. Paul said, look, when we're going out for the gospel, we need faithful, committed people. And he's calling on John Mark to be faithful and committed. He had nothing personal against John Mark. What he had personal against was being a quitter that doesn't go with the ministry. And he, 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 he wanted people on his team that were faithful. You notice what he called uh, these other two individuals we looked at, Tychicus and Onesimus. He says they were faithful. They were beloved brothers. They were faithful ministers. And I said Paul doesn't just throw out those accolades easily. Here is one who wasn't faithful. In Acts chapter 15, we see Paul uh, addressing that issue. Acts chapter 15, verse 36 through 40. It says, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. The point here is that John Mark had abandoned the work. He was not faithful. He was not committed. And now when Barnabas wanted to take him for the second missionary journey, Paul said no. It wasn't a casual no because there was, there was it says there, there, was, a, there was a great uh, sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. My point to you, beloved, is that Mark was not faithful and he was not committed and therefore Paul did not want him on his team. Paul knew that he needed faithful and committed people. God is calling faithful and committed people. I'm glad the story doesn't end there. It doesn't end there because we notice going back to Colossians chapter 4 in verse 10 Paul mentions as a part of his team, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. In other words, there's something that happened with John Mark now to where Paul welcomed him back on his team. I can imagine the thing that happened was his faithfulness. John Mark got committed to the team and was going to be faithful now, and he was a blessing now to Paul. And he was, in fact, on Paul's team. You can look at uh, Philemon. In fact, let me, well, I'll let you look there on your own. Philemon, uh, verse 23-24, you'll see Don Mark mentioned again there in that same letter. In, in other words, he was now part of the team. He had been excluded. He excluded himself. He, he, he uh, defected from the team. And now he was faithful and brought back into the team. The other thing, the other note I want us to carry from this is notice John Mark's relationship. 
In Acts 12, 12, we saw that he was connected to his mother Mary, where the church met in their house. And here in Colossians, we see that it's his cousin who's Barnabas, right? He's got a mother in the ministry, part of the saints, and he's got a cousin that works in the ministry that, 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 that's there as well. He's connected by family relations. I have a lot of family relations in, in this church. In fact, some people have kind of looked down and said, you know, that, that's too much of a family tie or too much of a family church. No such thing. Absolutely no such thing. We see, in fact, that we've already seen Philemon and his, his wife and their son and, and the house in their, the church in their home and, and how Paul had greeted them and, and, and spoke of them. And now we see John Mark, who was connected with his mother Mary, who's connected with Paul's previous companion, Barnabas, actually his cousin, and they were actually connected in the ministry as well. It's a blessing to see that God intended to use individuals. He called a pair of brothers as apostles, disciples and apostles. We see uh, um, Peter and Andrew. We see James and John, two brothers. They got it called to be apostles in the ministry. And so this idea of that church to be a legitimate church shouldn't have family, parents, and connections. It's just, it's, it's not biblical. <laughs> it's a blessing to see family operating that way. Praise God, I grew up in a, in a church. My father was pastor, and he, we were active in that church. As, as later on, the God called me in the ministry. He called me as a result. I was under, my parents were a part of a church that I was at that same church. I grew under that church. I met my wife and her family there in that church. And so those connections continued, and they continue to this day. And God continues to use those family lines in the ministry. You should pray that God will use your family lines in the same way. You continue to pray for our family lines, that they actually are one family, because we are family under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the most important allegiance that we have. Look at some of the others here. Verse 11, a man... He says his name is Jesus, and it's not talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just another Jesus was a common name. We see even used today. If you're a Brewers fan, you understand that one of their key players is, is in, in Hispanic is called Jesus. It's just the way they pronounce it, but it's spelled the same way, J-E-S-U-S. This man's name was Jesus, and he was called Justice, who is called Justice. There's not a lot known about justice. In fact, he's, I don't think he's spoken of anywhere else. He's what I call one of those shadow individuals. Not that he wasn't important, it's just wasn't spoken of. He's kind of he's in the background, kind of in the shadows operating there. Um, it's important to have people in the shadows. <laughs> Paul speaks of him. He doesn't say a whole lot about him. He's not mentioned everywhere else in Scripture, anywhere else in Scripture, but He's working there as a part of Paul's team. He's useful to Paul, and Paul does mention him. 
he says, these are the only men of the circumcision among the fellow workers for the kingdom of God. They've been a comfort to me. By the part of circumcision, he says, they, these three individuals have a Jewish heritage. And then the other individuals that he's going to mention don't have a Jewish heritage, which speaks how Paul worked along well with any believer, no matter what their heritage was. That's important. That's significant. He, he didn't just line up his team with one or the other. He, he was simply open to whoever God's heart God had used. Now, you, you'll notice when you look at his ministry, his ministry was one to the Gentiles. Paul was predominantly to the Gentiles, and that's just the way that God had, had used him. God told him when he first saved him, I'm going to send you as a testimony to the Gentiles. Paul himself was a Jew, but he was sent out to the Gentiles. He worked as part of his team with fellow Jews. He worked with Gentile believers as well. Now, This John Mark, I mentioned that he had restored his relationship with Paul. He is now busy in the work. He also was a partner to Peter in his ministry. In fact, Peter mentions him in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13. 1 Peter 5, 13. I know I'm having you turn to a lot of verses, but I, I want you to see the connection and how God is working through these individual relationships. In 1 Peter 5, 13, Peter mentions him. He says, she who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. So Mark was under the tutelage of Peter to where he probably heard the gospel and had been saved through the gospel spoken by Peter. Peter was one of the leaders in the Jerusalem church, and we saw how Peter, when he got out of jail, went to Mary's home, which was the, the mother of John Mark. Peter had a great influence on Mark. Yes, Mark is the Mark who was the writer of the gospel of Mark. And many theologians say that he got his information from being so closely tied to Peter. So here's an individual who's tied to Peter, who was tied to Paul, whose mother was a believer, uh, and, and whose cousin was, a, was a, a, a missionary, Barnabas, and so he's tied in so many ways. And yes, he had a bout of discouragement. He defected. He, he left them, abandoned Paul for a time, but now he's brought back, and he's useful for the work and for the ministry. I'm glad the Bible shows us some real-life people. We can see some of their ups, and we can see some of their downs, and we can see how God used them anyhow, as I like to say. The next character is Colossians 4, verse 12, Epaphras. Epaphras. Epaphras is a short for the name Epaphroditus. We see him mentioned here in verse 12 and 13. Let's read that first. Epaphras, who is one of you? In other words, Epaphras was from the city of Colossae. A servant of Christ Jesus greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you. And for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. 
you look on the map, you will see Colossae is about 100 miles east of Ephesus. And in the surrounding area of Colossae, you will see these areas here that he mentioned, Laodicea and Hierapolis. Epaphras is spoken of when Paul first opened this letter. So turn to Colossians chapter 1 and look at verse 7 and verse 8. And it tells us the role that Epaphras played in the church at Colossae. Verse 7, just as you learned it from Epaphras. Learn what? He's talking about the gospel. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. Again, Paul uses those same terms. He's beloved. He's a fellow servant. He's, he's on Paul's team. He's equal with Paul. He's serving with Paul in this gospel. He says, he is a, verse, uh, verse 7, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Epaphras is the one that, that came to know Christ probably under Paul's ministry. And Paul did not start the church in Colossae. Epaphras probably did. Epaphras was saved in that ministry, probably from Paul preaching at Ephesus, and later went back to his hometown in Colossae and started the church by speaking, by giving out the gospel wherever he had opportunity. And we see that, that he gave the gospel there in, in Colossae and also in the surrounding areas, as Paul mentions in chapter 4, Laodicea and Hierapolis as well, some of the surrounding communities around Colossae. So Epaphras was instrumental in starting the church in Colossae. How, did he, how do you do that? How do you start a church? He simply gave the gospel out. He, he was so excited about what God had done in his life and, and, and who this Jesus Christ was that he began to preach, he began to speak, he began to tell other people, and God began to change hearts as, 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 as a result of Epaphras' testimony to other people. Paul did not do that firsthand. It's Epaphras who did that. Paul is writing to people who had heard the gospel through Epaphras. Notice what he says. The end of verse 5, he says, the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras. He's telling the folks in Colossae in this letter, you've learned the gospel, not from me, from Epaphras. He's our beloved fellow servant. He's faithful. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And then basically he says, Epaphras came back to me asking me to, to pray for you. He says in verse 8, he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So Paul got his information um, from, from one from uh, Epaphras as, as the gospel went out through him, from Tychicus who, who sent this letter to them, from Onesimus who Paul sent along with Tychicus to send this letter and from Epaphras who had heard the gospel and went back to his hometown in Colossae and gave the gospel out. Notice what else he said about Epaphras here in verse 12 of Colossians 4. He's one of you. 
He's the servant of Christ Jesus. He greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. Epaphras had a heart for the people of his hometown. And Paul mentions it this way, that he's struggling for them in prayer. In other words, prayer was a spiritual battle that he engaged in for the sake of God blessing the people of his hometown. Basically, that says if you love somebody, you're praying for them. If you care about somebody, you're praying for them. That's what Epaphras did. He was battling in prayer. And God used that battle to bring the gospel to Colossae and to bring many believers, many people to faith there. Verse 13, I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you. Paul could say, I'm a witness. I've seen how burdened his heart is, and as a result of that burden, I've seen how hard he has worked to get the gospel to you. That's important. Not only you, he says, and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis, and I, I, I mentioned that map so we could see that, that, that this individual, Epaphras, just didn't stay still. He went back to his hometown, and wherever all around he went, spreading the gospel. The application for us is straightforward and simple, isn't it? That God wants us to be excited about this gospel that has come into our lives and simply share it with somebody else. Now, I want you to notice something. In, in this whole text that we read, we talked about people, right? We didn't talk about schools and degrees and, 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 and these special abilities and, and all. He talked about people who have the gospel, who know the gospel, and simply willing to share it with others. So if you know the gospel, you're qualified to share the gospel with others. You're qualified to share the gospel. Now, if you're going to share the gospel, we also see that you need to be faithful in the gospel. John Mark was not faithful, and we're getting to another one who wasn't always faithful. Let's look at it. Verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. You know, Demas. Who is Demas? Who is this Demas? We'll, we'll, we'll touch on Luke later. There's a lot to be said about Luke. But there is something to be said about Demas. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. So you're in Colossians, it's 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 10. Paul says in his closing here, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Now, he mentions others. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. And that's not in a cond uh, condemning way that he mentions the others. 
But he says, in other words, everybody who left him didn't leave him for wrong reasons. But in the case of Demas, he had left for wrong reasons. And it says, the reason he left, he says, having love or in love with this present world. So Demas in Colossians 4 is identified as one who was part of the faithful. He was on the team, on the team with Luke. Send out greetings from Luke and from Demas. He doesn't say a whole lot about Demas here, but he was on the team. Doesn't say anything negative about him. But later on in ministry, Demas was not faithful. And Paul mentions it. He calls him out. He calls him out in Scripture. You have to understand, when Paul wrote letters, the letter you'll see at the end of this this at the end of Colossians, the letter was to be read to the whole church. And Paul sent out a letter to Laodiceans, and that letter was to be read in Laodicea and in Colossae. The letter in Colossae was to be read there and in Laodicea. Even the letter to Philemon was to be read not only by the individual Philemon, but in the church. Paul mentions that. We'll get to that when we get to that portion of scripture Paul says in essence to the whole church this person has not been faithful he says that in 2nd Timothy about Demas there are some who have been faithful and committed to the word and there are some who haven't been faithful and God points that out The application, as I said, is very simple. God wants us to take out his word faithfully wherever we go and everywhere that we go to speak the truth of the gospel into the lives of those who we come in contact with. There are some who will continue in that and be faithful, and there are some who aren't there yet, and there are some who have been faithful in the past and aren't faithful now. Our testimony should be like the ones who were mentioned in the closing of this letter who were faithful. Let's look at them again. Tychicus was faithful. He was part of Paul's missionary team, his ministry team. Paul sent a letter by him and Onesimus who was called faithful and beloved. Aristarchus was a faithful one. Mark is mentioned. John Mark, who was part of the team, deserted, wasn't faithful, but then was brought back to the team and was faithful. Luke was a faithful part of the team. He's the writer of the Gospel of Luke and the writer of Acts. Demas was part of the team, but at some point fell away and was not faithful. He said he loved this present world. I'm going to walk with Christ. There are some things that we have to resist. There's some decisions and commitments that we need to make, that we're going to serve Christ above the call of this world on us. And this world does have its call. It tries to reward us with things, but 
it's deceptive in its reward. If Satan is called the God of this world, then all he can hand out is that which applies in a, is of benefit or some benefit in this world. What about the world to come? That's the world that we need to be mindful of and we need to be thinking of and we need to be committed to. Because this world is temporal or temporary, is short-lived. The eternity that we're going to live in is just that, eternity. So we need to commit. We are best off. This is it. We are better off when we commit ourselves to the eternal things. So, but we can't be committed. to. But we either are going to commit ourselves to God and forsake we're going to give up some things in this life, in this world. We're going to sacrifice. Or we're going to not be so faithful to God and be committed to the things that this life calls us into. We have a choice. And lives <laughs> stand at that choice. We talk about Epaphras. He was committed and he took the gospel back to his city, and he ch helped change the lives through the gospel of many in his city. We have an opportunity to do that. God is calling you and I to be faithful in the work that he's called us to. I pray that we'll answer that call. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the contrast between those who served as faithful. They were human beings just like us here today. They were faithful. We thank you for them. We even thank you for the picture of those who struggled. Like John Mark, who started out and struggled, but then went back. Went back to being faithful. Went back to serving you. He served under Paul. He served under Peter. It was useful for your work and for your ministry. Lord, if we have disappointed you in the past, we pray, Lord, we will be committed now, faithful, and serving you now. And then we look at Demas, Lord, we don't want to be like that, who start off well, but then the end, Paul said that he deserted him. So we pray, Lord, that you would speak to hearts today call us out of being so mindful of this world that we aren't connected and aren't committed to giving the gospel out. So stir our hearts, Lord, to be committed. Open our eyes so that we see what's at stake. And give us a heart that's willing to sacrifice for the sake of your work and your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.